Finding a magazine that appeals to all the family is as easy as one, two, three. Page the Oracle, the magazine on the screen. Teletext People. Teletext People is a social record of people that have been involved in either the production or the restoration or the artwork of the blocky medium that once dominated our TV screens in Great Britain before 2012. In the series, you will hear from the pioneers, the people who made it tick, and also people who have only recently visited the Teletext Medium but are in their own way keeping it alive for the preservation for others in the future. In this episode, we'll be speaking to the Teletext archaeologist, Jason Robertson. I started by asking Jason what his first memory of Teletext was. Um, I think I can actually pin an actual date onto this because <clears throat> I mean I, I was um, I was always interested in television as a child. So you know, it's, uh, I, I used to just watch the test card and be, be more interested in the idents and stuff rather than the actual programs. And um, I was also uh, I used to like watching the hidden sort of engineering announcements programs they used to have on the background. So I knew about the IBA, who, who were the uh, regulators of ITV at the time. And um, I must have seen an advert somewhere, because they came to the local museum in, in Stoke, the IBA did. Must, they must have been canvassing public opinion and showing things off and stuff. But um, So uh, I, went, I went to that with my mum. So, um, and... So we, we sat through the whole thing, and at the end they, they got all the technical stuff out to show, and they, they got teletext at the bottom. And um, so I went and had a go at that, and um, you, could, you know they were just explaining it to us, and brought up this page on the screen, and it was one of these um, amazing uh, printout teletext printout model things, where you can you can put the page on the screen, you press a button, and a little printer print out um, the page that you're looking at so um yeah so they uh, they did this for me so they, they what they, they put up a page because i'm like how old am i now uh, i'm about 10 something like 10 or 11 and um they uh, bring up oracle kids and print me out the index page so and out it, out it comes out of the tv on this uh, sort of silvery grey paper, the thermal paper, like um, you know, thermal thermal uh, receipts and things. You get in tills now are, are very nice, nicely black and white, aren't they? In, in those days, you had silver thermal paper that was um, it's, it's the same stuff that um, that used to the ZX printer used in the ZX Spectrum and the ZX eighty one. It was the same paper that um, was used in those, and out out it came. This uh, printout of the uh, Oracle, Oracle Kids 
menu page, and I, um, I've still got it. And uh, the date on it is the 29th of April. Um, Wednesday the 29th of April. And because we know what the day is, we can uh, see what the year is. And I think it's 1981, isn't it? So Wednesday the 29th of April, I uh, first had my first sort of go of Teletext. Um, yeah, then I, um, after that... I remember going to uh, it was it wasn't actually with the IBA it wasn't very much of a big go because there's lots of people there lots of people wanted to have a look at it because it was pretty new and fancy technology back in 1981 um so I didn't have very much of a go but shortly after that I remember going to a relative's house didn't see them very often um but we went round and they I think they were hard of hearing because they had a teletext set so I went round with my mum and my gran, and um, we we got there. And sort of the first thing they did was give me this remote control, and there was uh, and it was a teletext set, and it was like I had you know free reign of this teletext set for like you know an hour, and it was the most amazing thing. It was like you could just uh, with, with this remote control, you could bring whatever you wanted onto the screen because like before before teletext before computers you just had to like, watch what was on you it was you had to watch what you were given but with this you could choose your own thing to watch on the tv you could look up the news you could look at the weather you could read the jokes page you could do quizzes so and i, I had this free reign of this t this teletext tv for about an hour or so and it was like bbc one bbc two uh itv no channel four so that must that must date it that must uh, date it must be uh before Sorry, 82. yeah exactly yeah on the today as we record it's uh channel four's 40th birthday isn't it mm -hmm. so um yeah so um yeah so it was uh having a go with this tv with this teletext on it was it was amazing and i was i was you know i was in love with it after that because it, it had this lovely bright graphics uh Inf whatever information you wanted when you wanted it it was just brilliant so um yeah so i knew how great teletext was but back in 1981 teletext sets were really expensive and um, i remember going to london with my parents it must have been that must have been about the same time it was um some trip organized through school you know we, we went down to um london and we walked past a shop and I saw the shop had got um, teletext decoders in the window, and I was thinking, "Wow!" I didn't even know you could get those—you know, these external decoders that you could convert your existing set into a teletext set. And um, we sort of walked past the shop, and they had them in the window. I thought, "That's amazing!" But I remember them being very expensive. And I've got uh, the figure I've got in my head is one hundred and fifty pounds. So you know, you sort of like you think, well, I know, I know teletext is great, but it's just you know, it's uh, unaffordable for us. And um, the TV we had at the time, it was this, uh, it was this um, massive dual standard set. So it got VHF and UHF on it, and um, you uh, you press the button to turn it on, and it was a good minute before it warmed up. You know, so the, the sound came on immediately. So you could hear the program that you were missing in the background, 
while they waited for the TV to warm up with all the valves and whatnot before the picture appeared. So, um, that, you know, that was just an ancient set. It was colour, though, and it had, like, um, weird controls on it, like tint and uh, stuff like that. And this. But um, and then I was always, like, opening that up and messing around with the tuning um, and things. It was like, you know, the tuning now is all via menus on screen, but at the time, this massive sort of box popped out of the TV with, like, rotary wheels on it, you know, so you could change the channels. And... Um, Anyway, that's got nothing to do with Teletext, but, but one day we got rid of that set and we got this uh, new one, this Decker colour set, and um, it had Teletext on it, and that was it. I was away, I got my, you know, our own Teletext set, and you could have a really good sort of rummage around, you could see it changing every, every day and read up and, you know, you, you get to know the page numbers and read your favourite bits. So this is about 1985, something like that, 85, 86. And um, you could uh, read all these teletext pages and find all the hidden ones. Try and look out for a page that had had an odd number uh, as the as the page numbers go by. Because of course, on a teletext set, when you put the number in, you can see the pages, the currently broadcast page going past at the top. If you watch that carefully, you can see what uh, hidden pages there are. I thought, like, well, let's see if we can find one here. 700 and something, what's that? You know, you, see, you try and wait around the next time. So you're like, okay, so here, here the 700s are coming up in the sick. Let's let's just see if we can see what that page number was and try to read the page number on the screen before it disappeared onto the next one. And then um, once you knew what the page number was, you could enter it in and off you went. It didn't have page up and page down or, and caching and anything like that. It was just basically, here's your page, that's it. So um, yeah, that, that was always a favourite thing of mine to go and like, go and look at the uh, hidden stuff and the secret stuff and the I used to like the engineering information pages as well, of course, um, all those sort of things. And um, I think on that um, on that set, I, I first saw the um, level two test pages on the engineering section, and they had all these teletext pages. They were just normal teletext pages but uh, they said really sort of tempting things like um, you know the, on a level 2 set you would see a gradient going from you know blue to red or whatever and you'd see higher resolution text it's like wow I wish you could see that that sounds brilliant but you know, it's um, I don't I don't um, I don't even know if there's very many level 2 sets around at that time to even so you know even if you wanted to you um, probably couldn't buy one of the shops. So it's just, um, yeah. I sort of wonder. I really wonder what that looks like. But I'd seen um, in the IBA literature, I'd seen um, some, you know, broadcasting in the future pages, and they got like high resolution teletext showing there. They got like a circuit diagram uh, with bits of test card and a graphic, and it looked, you know, it looked brilliant. It's proper high res. Um, and I think that was uh, the level four tests. But anyway, those level level four tests were actually broadcast really early. They were around 1980, 81, 82 time. There was the the IBA did broadcast level four tests. No, there was no sets to decode them. Of course, it was a totally internal thing. I only found those later when I came to start recovering teletext pages. Where are we on level uh, level two teletext? Are we? So this is like when's this late eighties? 
this is now. And um, I think after that, after that point, uh, you know, you get to. I I kind of um, just I just fell into being a normal user of Teletext. I think um, I'd still be interested in the hidden pages if I could find any. I'd have other look, but I wouldn't go. I didn't spend an enormous amount of time on it that I would because basically I was out clubbing. And stuff so you know it's there i just became a normal use normal use for teletext and then i didn't see um for example i didn't see oracle die in 1992 on the years of 1992 because um old was a 21 so uh i don't know where i would have been not in front of a teletext set anyway <laughs> so uh no i didn't i didn't see that happen live we have we've uh recovered it since so we are, we are able to watch it, but uh, not at the time. And then we had this uh, brand new service after that in 1993, this uh, teletext. And I don't remember reading it in the early days. I remember looking at it and seeing, I remember turning it on and seeing teletext on three. And I was thinking, mm. what sort of name's that? You know, so it was that like you had Oracle, which is the optical reception of announcements by coded line electronics. And um, but Teletext was like, well, why have you called the company the same mm. name as the actual? So that's just confusing. But um, but you know, after that, I mean, as, as I say, I was just a normal user. I didn't really use it a great deal. I don't even remember CFAX going into the dark ages. I remember them changing it, but I don't remember thinking, where's all the fun stuff? But um, with uh, but eventually, you know, Teletext. Uh, found its feet and it was a you know it's a pretty good service. I mean the um, we used to have uh, digitizer for stars. I always used to read digitizer, um, not so much for the games because I wasn't I'm not wasn't that much of a game and I didn't have a console because uh, you know I had an Amiga. But um, the um, I didn't write any letters in to digitizer. I wasn't um, yeah, I wasn't that rabid. But um, I used to read Digitizer just for the entertainment, really. It didn't matter what the game was. I could just just read it for the humour because, you know, I liked um, Reeves and Mortimer, sort of you know, irrever irreverent humour, that sort of thing, sort of nonsensical stuff. And there was a lot of that on um, Digitizer. It was just, uh, you know, a bit crazy. So uh, I used to like reading that. I used to, I used to like reading The uh, the Man and uh, the uh, comments on the letters, things like that. So I used to read that every day. I think I've, I've, uh, I remember coming in one night, having been uh, clubbing and um, putting teletext on. By this time, I've got a teletext set in my room, uh, lying in bed, teletext on, and I'd, uh, I, there it was on the news that Kurt Cobain had died, and it was like I don't believe it. Mm. Yeah, it's because it's like really sort of well, that's uh, I, I can't, you know, it's. it's um, so I was, you know, I was a really big Nirvana fan, and like, um, yeah, this is really sort of sad news. And um, so, what year is this? This is like '94, uh, is it now? Is that this is about 1994. And um, yeah, I just uh, carried on being a sort of a normal teletext user, really. Um, I suppose that the next sort of uh, thing, really, I met the. Um, Later on in the 90s, I taught an adult education class at a local college, and it was a it was um, I forgot what it's called. It was called um, Web Technologies, I think, and it was a, it was basically you know t teaching um, adults about the internet and um, you know how to 
create web pages, that sort of thing. Really, only basic ones. So it was all like you know, people who were like retired and stuff, and came in and just wanted to know more about the uh, the web and stuff. So this is, this is about nineteen ninety eight, probably. But um, I remember there, went to, to, at the very start of those uh, of that course, I always used to say, "Now uh, the internet uh, is just like it's just like CFAX." Only instead of typing in a page number, you have a, a an URL, have a web address, so it's a bit longer, and there's more colours and there's more pages. So you know, just like just like CFAX, more colours, more pages, and um, that kind of like uh, it, it sort of like make, it makes it sort of anchors it with people. It makes it a bit more familiar. It's like if you tell somebody that, they'll go, "Okay, I know what you mean." Yeah, it's like an analogy, isn't it? Like an expanded CFAX, really. And you think, fine, yeah, that's fine. But of course, spin on, I don't know, 30 years, and you find yourself saying to people that, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, CFAX uh, was a bit like the internet, only with fewer fewer pages and fewer colours. So it's entirely the opposite way around, is that people are familiar with the web now, but not CFAX. Whereas in the late 90s, everybody was familiar with CFAX, but not the web. Just a reminder that if you're listening to this on your favourite podcast app, you can also find this on the YouTube channel. And if you are watching on YouTube, you can find us on your favourite podcasting app. You can find out ways that you can help with the show in the show notes. And the next sort of uh, milestone, I think, will have been in the late, um, in about 2010, that sort of time. Because um, I got this um, TV capture card, and um, I can't even remember why I bought it, but I, it's... Um, yeah, that's right. I I um I did it. I ran a website, didn't I, in the late nineties, um, called Sub TV, and uh, it's still there. Sub TV.co.uk, and it's very it's very late nineties. If you go and have a look at it. Now, uh, but what I um, the the video on that website was shot on using a um a Sony Mavica camera so it was like a it was like this digital camera but it had a floppy drive in it so you could literally just put floppy disks in and you would save your photos or movies or whatever to this floppy disk and then you could like pop the disk out stick it in your pc and then you know you, you got your pictures right there you didn't have to do any fiddling about to get them um converted or anything because you, the movies were right there and the mavica would output in uh, mpeg mpeg one and so I would use that. I would let, I would loan this Mavica from work, uh, video all this uh, TV stuff to put on sub TV. And um, so I got the Sony Mavica, and uh, you know that, that's that's great. It was a technology of its time. It, it I basically held the camera up to a TV screen, a CRT TV screen, and recorded these short videos. 
um, which was great. But you know, be, you'd got um, it was wobbling from where my hands, you know, sort of shook slightly. It was uh, wasn't the greatest video quality, let's say. It worked, but it wasn't the greatest. So you know, I thought, well, we need to get a capture card to, to you know redo this stuff to get some better bits and pieces. Um, but of course, when you get a capture card, they, they, they always come with, in those days anyway, they always came with um, a uh, teletaxi code on them. So, you know, it, was, it had this sort of feature on it. I, I, I remember giving it a go and thinking, no, oh, that's great, yeah. But not doing anything with it. I didn't save any pages or anything like that. But then um, in the 2010s, I came across this website and um, it was describing how you could use. Uh, DirectX and a bit of software called Graph Edit, and you could create these graphs. It's basically like uh, modular diagrams of bits of the computer system. So you would have um, the uh, what they call the crossbar of this video capture card, and there'd be a load of, load of inputs and outputs on there. So you could have an input as being the uh, VB the VBR the VBI decoder would go into this crossbar and then out would come. You could put that into a uh, data slicer and you could output that into a teletext decoder and then you, you, you could basically create the teletext software out of this graph edit program sort of from, the, from its individual components from which were based on the drivers that came with the um, capture card. But anyway, but what what you could do with that, what this website described was a way of dumping the T forty D not T I call it T forty the, the teletext information files. So you could it would input the data from the VBI, which is the sort of area on the T V screen where teletext lives with all the flashing dots and whatnot. It would take the data from there, convert it into teletext data and output it into a file. Now you couldn't do that with the software off the shelf on these um, uh, from these uh, capture cards. You had to do this elaborate graph thing in order to be able to do that. You basically write your own software almost, but it was like an in a visual form. So out came these um, teletext files, and it was basically raw teletext data. So it's uh, you had the you could see the header information with lots of flags and bits and pieces to say what magazine the teletext page was and what page it was, what the flags were, and what row it what row that particular line was on. So you could see all this teletext information there, and um, I remember because when it when it came out in this in this. Uh, Teletext file. It's 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 just it's not legible really. It's kind of you can see bits of, but you can see um, the the sort of structure of the page, and you can see almost see words. But there's loads of it has loads of like weird characters on, like you know, lots of accents and things like that that we don't have in English. And there's all these letters are all over the place. It just looks like it's corrupted. But what it actually is is that um, the computers read it in as raw, and but teletext data is actually 7-bit and not 8-bit which is what the computer the computer gives you 8-bit information and on teletext the 8th bit is the uh, parity bit 
and it is an what is it? It's odd parity, I think, isn't it? Off the top of my head. But um, anyway, so so what what it would do is it would put this extra bit in the um, in the data that would make a, a letter A, for example, turn into this weird glyph with an accent on it, or just a weird shape or another. So it kind of um, it kind of altered the original text into this weird sort of hieroglyphics stuff. So all you'll have to do to convert it back is to just chop off this bit and just ignore it. Um, so you have you're basically left with seven bits of data within an eight-bit word. And once you do that, if you strip off the bits, then you get text out. And I thought, oh great! So I wrote something. I wrote something really simple in um, Visual Studio just to. Um, just to do this called uh, bit seven stripper, it's and catchy it uh, basically, I know, yeah, that's what that's what he did. It just stripped out bit seven to get rid of it to, to leave us with the text. And of course, out from from that, you could see teletext pages going by. But they're all they're all in, they're all kind of uh, interleaved teletext pages. I mean, if there's, there's two modes for a teletext service, you can have it as serial or uh, parallel. And if it's serial, the pages come one after the other. So it starts off at uh, line zero and goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, all the way down to 24. And then it'll start on the next page, zero, one, two, three, four, five, etc. So it's all all serials, all on a line. Each page goes out in order. But in, in parallel transmission, the uh, pages are all kind of mixed up. The, so it might... Do, it might send a page from magazine one, which will be like, could be page one hundred for the index. It might send four rows of that, and then send something from magazine two, and then do another four rows from magazine two, then go back to magazine one, send another four rows, and sort of interleave them like that. And that's how most uh, teletext services are. They're kind of uh, interleaved in that way. It um, it means that if you have Let's say you're looking for a page, something on page 700 and something, and the teletext transmitter is on page 100. It means you don't have to wait all day for it to count all the way up from 100, 101, 102, 103, all the way up to 700. You don't have to wait all day because it just it just sends them, you know, kind of out of order if you like. Mm -hmm. Um. So um. Yeah. So the 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 data that came out from this dump of the teletext raw data was all interleaved and stuff so I thought well okay well I've got the text out I'll need to do what I need to do now is to sort of write something to separate the pages out so I can see the pages again and then bit by bit I was adding a little bit on here a little bit on there and then I think we'll we'll, uh, we'll display this in teletext in the teletext um, in the teletext font in the teletext character set so that'll make it look better and you know eventually you just end up with. I ended up with this uh, software that could just display teletext pages from this data. <clears throat> yes, I mean, I, I sort of um, started writing the suite of uh, teletext software about 2010 to um, basically have a nose round and see what was in there. Because um, I mean, I'm, I'm very interested in hidden pages and things. But when, um, if you have access to 
the raw teletext data you can see exactly what pages are in there you can get it to list them out for you you can say so you can see you can see exactly what page numbers are you can see any odd ones you could write something to so that when you, you can you can click on it and it will display the page that was there or you can go up one page at a time to make sure you haven't missed anything you can do all these things once you, once you've got that raw data you can do anything you like with it because you can see what's in it um you know and that's uh, and that's really interesting because if well if you're interested in digging through the secrets of teletext services then uh you know it's really interesting because you can find out in the hidden pages but there's more there's even more to it than that because um you might see uh you might think the hidden pages are just a page that isn't in the index so usually on teletext you go to page 100 find what you want right i want the weather page 181 there we go i'll go to there but if a page isn't listed in the index you um you, know, you wouldn't know it was there unless you saw it ticking by on the header row as it was um searching through each of the pages um but with with the with the title file you can go and go straight there and fish that out but it's the, not only that there although there are uh, 25 lines including the fax text row on a teletext page the the actual sort of um spec of teletext to be, in order to um in order to make it addressable in in binary for the for the computer to address 25 rows <clears throat> it, it it's basically got the next sort of binary boundary up which is 32 hmm. um so there's a whole you know seven or so rows which uh, which aren't used i mean they're not they're not displayed on screen because the, the screen can only display 25 and and yet within teletext you've got room for 32 so i mean what the bbc started doing really early as it as it turns out is they would um use these rows that can't be seen these invisible rows to put data in and um, the BBC used to put uh, racing odds in there. And they must, there must have been some sort of uh, data service they were offering, but for to bookmakers. But there was racing odds in there and things like that. Um, and once you've you know, once you've got that, it's really interesting to look to see what else they've hidden away in there. There's a whole teletext spec on uh, you know data transmission, and it's it's all it's all formalised. You know, uh, a bit later on, it was all formalised. But in the early days, people, you know, it was just shoved wherever. But um, it, it's, it was all formalised later on. And in, in sort of rows thirty and thirty-one is where you get the uh, data. And there's all sorts in those data fields. There's things like um, it'll tell you what the uh, index page is. So if it's not one hundred, it can be somewhere else. The, it, there's the uh, full date with the year in it, etc. Things like that channel name so when you when you uh, change channel and the channel name came up and you think how does it know that how does it know that the channel's beauty one i've not told it but that that's where it came from it came from the um, broadcast data service packet that was in um, uh, on the cfax so um there's all sorts of data hidden in there there all sorts of uh, interesting secret stuff it's, um, you can go and have a rummage of it. It's, it's, it's all in the it's all in the Teletext spec as well, so you can pick things out. I mean, more recently, um, 
I mean, when you, I mean, in, in the spec, it describes all sorts of stuff. There's really sort of uh, there's there's um, stuff like slow scan stuff. So, for example, there is uh, data video, which is basically really really low bitrate video. Uh, you can see you can send low bitrate video via teletext in these data packets, and there's audio as well, and um, that was actually that's actually been found the audio has we we had data for that for quite some time but we didn't have any way of decoding it you could see it was audio you could have got it had got like um sort of two channels so in the in the dot of data you could see a split down the middle where there was two channels and it's like this is audio but when you when you play it you just got noise and it's like oh what you say it's encoded somehow but how is it encoded we didn't have any documentation but uh, more recently that's been decoded so you can actually hear what the audio is um that was been being sent in these hidden packets in teletext and it was uh it's things like um audio descriptions uh for the um for the blind and things like mm. uh things like uh, program guides and things that it was used for this is an update on the auditor program information from saturday the 30th of july the film Truly Maddie Pinkley, starring Juliet Stevenson and Alan Rickman on BBC Two on Saturday, will begin at 9.25, not 9.30 as we thought previously. The rest of the week remains unchanged except for an additional episode of The Bill at 8 o'clock on Friday the 5th. That's on ITV. Then on Sunday the 6th of July, Wickless, the police series set in Cornwall, begins at 8 o'clock. It was originally going to start at 7.30, which it was changed, so it starts at 8. Now, here's the updated rundown of the week's program again. Saturday the 30th, truly madly deeply, at 9.25 on BBC Two. Monday at 5 to 1 and 7.30, Coronation Street. Tuesday at 9, Medics. Wednesday at 5 to 1 and 7.30, Coronation Street. Friday at 5 to 1 and 7.30, Coronation Street. And then at 8 o'clock, an episode of The Bill. Saturday the 6th at 9.25, the feature film... Black Widow, and Sunday the 7th at 8 o'clock, Wickless, and all those programs are on ITV. We'll be bringing you a new schedule at the end of next week. Until then, thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying the programs that we're describing. This is Margaret Hicks from Auditel. One of the more other interesting ones was um, I uh, found something called Telfax in, uh, in these data packets. Now, Telfax was a sort of an inter going back to the analogy between the internet and CFAX. This is kind of an inter intranet, mm -hmm. the BBC's intranet, or you know, CFAX is like an internal CFAX, and it had all things in it like a um, bit of BBC news, phone numbers to ring, things like that, it's just sort of internal BBC information. But um, that seems to have been broadcast on occasion. So they actually escaped onto the, uh, you know, onto the BBC network. You wouldn't be able to see it at the time. You, no, no one would have been able to view these pages because they were uh, hidden in these data packets. But um, you know, nowadays, of course, now we can process them. We can, we can fish this out. And there's, there's a whole new this Telfax. There's a whole other CFAX service service hidden within the main one that's been broadcast and um I, you know it's, it's such a it's such a 
in you know back in the 1980s when I was like trying to find hidden pages by looking at the the header, the pages the page numbers on the header game by. You'd never imagine that. Um, so um, anyway, so we're in, we're in 2010, and you know I'm I'm collecting all this uh, teletext data and I'm writing some software to process it so I can poke around and see what's in there. Um, I think um, it's about that time. I was on Mike Brown's website because he got a he'd got a website called Teletext Then and Now, and he got like a few screenshots of um, Teletext pages, and it was you know a nice site to go and have a look around. And but one of the features he got there was um, a bit called uh, an evening with CFAX, and someone had basically mat presumably meticulously gone through and taken a, a, a sort of a, a snapshot of every page and CFAX of a, in a particular evening and um, said, but Mike had got this uh, published on his website and I ran through that and thought that, that it was you know it was brilliant looking back at all the old pages and thinking oh, I, used to, I used to love that section I used to read that all the time and like look, oh, look, at, all, look at these CFAX graphics are brilliant um, and it sort of you know really sort of took me back the, uh, the the sort of old the tele software section that got um, converted into a computer magazine on CFAX. I always used to, always used to read that, and I, th I think that was there as well. And it was like, uh, oh yeah, this was great. But it was only one evening's worth, you know. It was like, oh, it's just the one. It was very nice to have. But it's like, oh, it'd be great if there was some more of these. But um, Mike's website had a supporting um, mailing list, the Teletext then and now mailing list. And um, in 2011, 2012, uh, Alistair Buxton pops up on this uh, mailing list saying, oh, I've invented a way of uh, getting um, teletext pages from videotape. It's like, what? You've got to be kidding. Uh, and so I thought, well, I think this is about 2011. And I thought, like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to, I'm going to have to try this out because I got, I got the capture card. It just happened to be the uh, same one that Alistair had got, I think. So it was the, um, so that was, it was, it was just convenient. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure I'd have, I'd have done it if uh, I hadn't got the right equipment. But the only thing was, is that uh, it needed Linux to run. I knew nothing about Linux. Um, I think I'd had a brief go of it in the 90s before it had a graphical environment or something. I don't know. It was, um, but I knew nothing, nothing about it. And uh, But, you know, one day I found some time disconnected all my hard drives I've got a hard drive put aside for Linux but disconnected the other ones because when you uh, install Linux it uh, basically you know flattens the hard drive I'm thinking what I don't want to do is flatten the wrong hard drive because I'll be very upset in that case I disconnected so it's a bit of a faff really you have to disconnect all your hard drives and um, put Linux on I've got so I think uh, it was U uh, Ubuntu at the time uh, still is, still use Ubuntu. But um, so I put that on because it seemed like the most user-friendly one to use. And I got the capture card in there, put Alistair's software on as per the instructions. And lo and behold, this is 2012 now, I'm um, picking up um, Teletext pages from videotape. And it's like, you know, I've got a big raft of old VHS tapes behind me to go through and... And it was like, wow, this is like amazing because it was not easy. There was there was errors in the data, but it's like, but it was, but it was just like this to for this to even be possible at all is just mad. Because when you when you press uh, text 
on a when you you know, you're only just playing the videotape back and you press text on remote control, nothing happens. You know, you, uh, you you might get the odd word, but you know nothing happens. So to get the data from that, it was like, well, this this is obviously witchcraft or or similar. But um, it, 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 that was amazing to do that. I mean, at the, when the when the first version came out, it used to take absolutely ages to run through. I mean, I've left I've left recoveries going for like days overnight and all day I just left them going because in the very first versions of the software you, you couldn't stop it halfway through because it, it just you couldn't stop it halfway through and resume it again later on it would just start again from scratch so you know you had to let it run all the way to the very end and in later versions Alistair updated it so that you could you know stop re recovering and then pick it up from where you left off at a later date and then you know, as, as time went by, he'd improved the methods he'd used to um, to do the uh, processing on it, uh, on the data. And uh, now the uh, software uses the uh, processing power. The uh, If you've got a, a, a graphics card, it can use the processing power within the graphics processing unit of that to do the um, processing. Nowadays, the... Uh, it's, it works by pattern matching so you have like uh, it, it has a list of known patterns of teletext in there so and it's it, what you do is you record these known patterns out to videotape read them back in and but because you know what data went out to the videotape you can compare it with, with what came in and then you've got a difference and so you can say well if i see this pattern of blur on a vhs recording that corresponds to this data if it was clear so you can by using pattern matching it, it um you can basically look at the blur on a vhs recording and it can pick out what the actual data would have been it's not perfect uh, it can be perfect on, on really clear recordings you can uh, you can get absolutely almost flawless data recover recovery from it um the uh, i think it's it kind of <sighs> What what the recovery quality comes out like? It's so uh, it, it kind of it never makes any sense. You can have the worst looking recording in the world, and you can get brilliant results out of it. Like you know, you, you can get uh, long play video, for example, looks awful sometimes. But you know, with with some with some long play tapes, you can get perfectly reasonable teletext out of it. It's like what why? And others, it can be just terrible. And I've had really noisy recordings before, like you know, when it, when they had a weak signal, it was all grainy. I've had good results from that before, uh, but you, but on you know, on the flip side, there's been recordings that look great on screen, but the teletext is absolutely dreadful. Things like ghosting really kills teletext. Teletext does not like ghosting. So um, anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, the, so um, Alistair Software's. I mean, I, I started using Alistair Software in uh, 2012, and I've been using it uh, ever since, really. And the what I, Alistair Software fetches the information from the tape, so it, it outputs the raw teletext data in the same way that the the uh, graph edit thing would do with the, from before, where you could um, read off air data with. The modular bits from the from the capture card, so it, it could output the same files. So those files that came out of Alice's software could be put into my existing 
Teletext suite of software for display. So the current setup that we, that I have really is that as the software fetches the data out, I can display it in um, the software that I've written that's that's available online, uh, so anybody can use that. And um, yeah, it's kind of a good sort of symbiotic relationship, really. So um, the data comes from Alistair, I can display it, you know, in an emulator this side. So it's, so it's basically you can view the Teletext service exactly as you would have done had you were you sitting in front of a TV with a monitor with a remote control. You can wait for the pages to come round just the same as you'd wait for the pages to come round in front of a TV. So um, yeah, this it, the. Uh, the, the tools I've written, of course, they they allow me to go poking around for hidden data as well. So with, with all the data, with all the data that comes out from Alex, from Alice's technique, um, I can go poking around to see what secrets are within all that data. And I've been I've been there, I've been recovering teletext now for like over ten years. Uh, so I'm almost have about two and a half thousand services. Um, in the archive, just sitting, sitting on my hard drive, I share them to Twitter, um, you know, as often as, often as, as time allows, um, so that uh, you know, it's just to sort of spread the love, really, and um, on um, on Twitter and Facebook and, and stuff, and um, yeah, from that, I mean, I've got quite a few followers, so there's still a lot of love for Teletext out there. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, from that. I thought well, I've got all these services sitting on my hard drive doing nothing. They could do with being out there, really. So I, I just, I, um, the, uh, yeah, about, when was that? Uh, must have been about 20, yeah, 2020. I was, um, I was going to start a, um, master's course in 2020, and I thought, I've got all this stuff here. I, re I really need to get this. Because I'm going to be busy on my master's, I'm not going to be able to share pages. I need a, a good way of sharing pages that um, you know that people can just go and fetch their own data and things. So I wrote the um, Teletext, Archive, Teletext Archive website, and that uses um, MVC. And it was really, really quick to develop. It was... Um, I hadn't done... They, I mean, I used to be a, uh, a web engineer. My first sort of internet job was, uh, was a web webmaster. Was my uh, first internet job. So I, um, but it was kind of in the early two thousands, and then sort of moved away from that afterwards. But I, so I hadn't, I hadn't done a website for ages. So I was trying to find new technologies to do with, and I, I use uh, um, Microsoft's uh, MVC in the end, and I come up with this. Uh, it must have taken. It must have only taken a couple of weeks to write the archive. It was, it was really, really quick because I mean a lot of the framework was just there, really. Because it's about um, creating records, editing records, viewing records. So really, it was just using that framework and um, adding in a teletext renderer, which I'd already got from the teletext suite, suite of software before. So it's like, well, you know, okay, I've got, I've already got a renderer to for changing the. Uh, raw teletext data into actual viewable pages. So I just used that one. So it was a case of just transplanting that renderer onto a website. And um, there it was, so it only took a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I mean, as as I speak, it's got, so I mean, you know, other teletext recoverers can upload 
uh, services to that as well and it's got uh, 1200 services on it as I speak which um, is the equivalent of 1.1 million teletext pages <laughs> on there which is a lot of pages that's a lot of, that's a lot of charts <laughs> so yeah so um i mean i know when i first saw mike brown's an evening with cfax on his website there i thought oh, this would be great if we love to have more of this i wasn't expecting to come away with like you know 1.1 million more pages um of teletext but um yeah there's, there's all sorts it's not just uk teletext on there there's teletext from all over the world on um on the uh on the archive so um it's incredible to think that this uh, information was um, treated as if it was never going to be kept, and uh, now it's been recovered. Um, it's completely fascinating, and the um, the audio packets as well. It's sort of like—is that like like voices from voices from the past? Yeah, it's quite ghostly, isn't it? How like the well, they, they sound ghostly because the recover the recovery isn't perfect. Um, I don't think yet. Mm. It still sounds a bit. Uh, odd and a bit weird and a bit ghostly. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit like uh, a ghost in a machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's nothing short of remarkable, really. I mean, as, I mean, as you say, I mean, teletext was a sort of a, a medium where it was uh, broadcast and then uh, it just went after that because they, but they, they, in the early days of teletext, they quite literally just overtyped the data and it was gone. So there's no there's no backups or anything of of uh, any data. A bit later on, I think they uh, they had to keep some back for compliance that just hasn't been deleted for one reason or another. Um, but yeah, you know, it was all just it was broadcast and it was gone and it was just transient. It was uh, here one day, gone the next. And um, I think you know, it's like there's uh, you think like well. You could you could write something on um, teletext and it would be gone, and then that's you know no one would ever see that again. You could it's a good it's a good uh, you could hide your sins and and see facts if you like, but um, now of course we can get it all back and we can see um, exactly what was. So if we have just a recording, it doesn't have to, you know it's not it's not like a, we used to have like pages from CFAX where it was actually broadcast in vision, but it doesn't have to be that. It could be any domestic recording we can get teletext from. Which is a question that I often get. People think it's just like, is it CFAX in vision what the, that we've got here? But no, no, it's any any VHS or beta tape um, has teletext on it that can be recovered. Mm. Um, and I think it's uh, what uh, it's nice. So you know, having having all the all the data, it's nice. You get queries in sometimes. I get queries in sometimes from people who say like, oh. I uh, had this broadcast uh, the um, in the past. You have a copy. I mean, um, I had a, a query once from someone whose late father had written some telesoftware, and um, that was uh, did end up finding that 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 was there, but it needs it needs to be sort of extracted from the. Um, I don't think it's a perfect recovery recovery either. So the data's a bit mashed, and it needs extracting from the page to be turned back into software but you know there's the stuff like that that's there the um there's an ongoing project to uh to track you know to, to recover all of channel 4's digitizer magazine 
Uh, and uh, there's a couple of others as well. There's, there's a one to recover Turn of the Worm cartoon strips. And, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, like the. Uh, nobody ever thought we'd see them again. And um, it's nice to be able to. It was nice to be able to get those. Uh, the um, digitizer captures and you know, give give them back to Paul Rose, the creator, and just say, you know, here's here's the pages you wrote, you know, and and, and um, yeah, I mean, in the uh, in the early days, they he would uh, you know tweet them out from his account, mm. but um, they started coming in at such a rate that um, now they are sort of curated by Super Page Fifty Eight, and there's there's you know there's a, an, an enormous part of all broadcast digitizers has been you know recovered uh, more are coming through all the time so you know, eventually i'm sure we'll have most if not all mm. of that service um been recovered mm. so it's nice to sort of uh, be able to basically reunite uh, a creator with the work that they've done that they thought was lost forever and i'm sure one day mm. it'll appear mm. And have you found the holy grail that you're looking for? I believe um, the first editor of CFAX, Colin McIntyre, used to leave messages for his wife, who would be watching the Teletext page at home. This much fabled, put the dinner on them, make them a way back. Um, have, have, yeah. we got, have we got closer to finding that yet? No, we haven't. We, we, um, I suspect that that, will have happened very very early on mm. um so and it, so i would imagine that he would have had it wouldn't be a hidden page like as in you know mm. hidden data it would just be a, t a page that wasn't indexed so it'll be a page in the surface service say i don't know uh 184 or something so his, his wife might dial 184 in on the set mm. and only she would know that number was there. If you saw it getting passed in the header, you'd know it was there. Mm. But, you know, it, it wasn't in the index. So, you know, 99.99% of people wouldn't have uh, known it was there. Mm. So I suspect it's a it's a sort of a normal page, but just not mm. indexed. Um, and I also think that would be really, really early on. Mm. You'd be, um, be on Esmeralda, the first board, and... Uh... That had been overwritten quite quickly, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when you're looking at seventy-five, seventy-six, I would imagine that would be. That would be and Titex services from that period are very few and far between. Um, Although you did manage to capture one, didn't you? Because I've seen that on your uh, website, the um, a very early recovery from seventy-five, I think. Yeah, that's right. From um, uh, CFAX was only eleven months old at the time of that recovery. Uh, so that was that sort of really. Uh, that's kind of like I don't know. It's got to be up there with one of the, if not the, my my favourite recovery. I think that would be the, the nineteen seventy five one because um, the uh, that, I mean that's, that's I mean that's quite interesting. I mean with I mean I. With the 1975 pages, the, the tide text spec itself wasn't even finalised. It was fluid. It was moving all the time. So all the control codes to say, you know, change the colour of text or to put it into graphics mode or to do, you know, whatever other things. Uh, the um, I mean, we didn't have in the early days, for example, there wasn't even they didn't have double height. Uh, they just had basically text and a graphics mode. 
didn't have reveal things like that it's, it, it was so the uh, the spec itself was fluid up until it got formalized in 1976 so these earlier pages don't heat don't even match a teletext the teletext standard it's some other sort of intermediate standard that they had beforehand and like I've it's like I've got this data and it's like but I can't read it because I don't know what the codes do you can see the text mm. but it's like well is this bit of text is it is it supposed to be white or is it like mm. or is it like meant to be red and I don't know what the code is I mean, I've, I've done, done done searches for the old specs before but I've I really put some effort into it and <laughs> managed to managed to find it in a online copy of wireless world where they they got their all the codes listed so uh finally i knew what um what all the codes meant i mean there's quite a few standards in between when it was first developed in uh, 1974 up until 1976 in those two years there's quite a few different in inverted commas standards uh that were that we used at the time until it settled down in um the uh, sort of uh, teletext standard was September 1976 that they finally decided that. And even then, they they'd said the standard is now, this is what the standard is, bang, 19, mm. September 1976, this is what it is. But there were still decoders out there that were using the old code tables. Mm. So there's a lot, you know, there's uh, electronics enthusiasts had old ROMs and they had to switch, you know, switch them over and things. So the, uh, yeah, the, even though the, um, we had new new tables. The old ones are still in use for quite a while. Mm. I think I've got one. I've got one from um, March or April 1976, and that's there's a page on there, and that's talking about how the old codes are on BBC Two, but the new ones are on BBC One. Uh, with with your um, with with your website, then uh, do you have any more? Are you just going to keep going and just keep getting uh, just getting as many? Uh, tapes as you can converted because you must be inundated with tapes at the moment i do have a fair few i mean people are very very generous um at uh, donating tapes i mean getting the tapes here is uh, quite the thing because it's you know it's um it's expensive to to you know post mm. tapes and mm. things mm. uh the internet is uh well ebay is a wash with vhs videotapes as well i mean you've got to uh You've got to try and find the right ones. It depends what you're looking for, really. There are there are so many recordings from, you know, the 2000s, 2010 and stuff, because, you know, everybody recorded stuff onto VHS, didn't they, in the, in the 2000s and 2010s, so there'd be loads of recordings there, but people will, will have reused videotapes, so even if they recorded older stuff on there, it got reused and overwritten. So uh, a good place to look for old teletext is the very end of videotapes where people have stopped the recording but an early recording still exists mm. uh, right at the very end where they've stopped the tape. <laughs> Have you ever been contacted by the BBC or ITV with regards to any of your recoveries? Uh, never ITV. There doesn't seem to be. Uh, well, I think um, it did have a bit on it. It had a, a flourish of publicity on News at Ten that time uh, when Peter Quan uh, first did um, T Facts. So he was on uh, News at Ten with that. So that's the ITV. I think it's the only 
interest I've seen on ITV. I could be wrong, but it's the sort of main one. The BBC uh, seemed to have a bit more interest in it. I've been on a few BBC programmes, mostly local radio. I've been on um, Chef Radio Sheffield, I think, Ulster with Nathan. And um, I did a, a bit on uh, Radio 6, unbelievably, with on uh, Lauren Levine's show. So I, I got a lot of positive feedback from there. Probably where, That's probably where a lot of my followers have come from on uh, Twitter. But, yeah, um, the, uh, yeah so it's, the BBC have shown more interest in it. I think they haven't shown more, more, very much interest, well, they haven't shown any interest in the actual archive itself you'd, you'd think they can you think they would you'd think they'd be interested in it they think be i know them they're obviously interested in recovering old tv programs have gone missing but um they're not interested in recovering cfax mm. they're not i don't uh i don't know why uh because you know it's a uh it's uh i mean newspapers have archives don't they i mean that you there's a newspapers have searchable online archives and um you know i mean t why is teletext any different it was kind of an on-screen newspaper with the advantage of being non-partisan so it's mm. uh un you know it's uh unbiased mm. uh, unlike newspapers mm. so it's uh you know it's, it's certainly a valid archive um candidate really mm. but uh yeah it's really i think i suppose the only uh sort of archive is the the teletext archive that we that we have well it's certainly a very valuable um archive so uh, where where can we find you on twitter on twitter i am at grim underscore fandango now i know i know i that that's just well i, I didn't even know what twitter was when i set that up i thought I'd, people go on about twitter I'll go and find out what what the deal is with Twitter. So I just you know, signed up that with the, that username, and I had no intention of starting a teletext feed with it. <laughs> but um, this, you know, this this is what we're this is what we've got. This is what we're stuck with. So it's the uh, it, anyway teletext archaeology just doesn't fit in the Twitter. You can't have that many. So it's yeah, yeah it's at Grim underscore Fandango. Mm. Uh, also on Facebook as the teletext archaeologist. Mm -hmm. That the the website is at www.teletextarchaeologist.org and the archive itself is at archive.teletextarchaeologist.org So um, they're the places they're the places to go. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Jason. And Thank you very uh, much indeed. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that, that's, that's been excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Teletext People. Teletext People is presented by me, Carl Attrell, and is a bite high, no limit production. I really enjoy making these podcasts. However, if you do want to help out with the hosting costs, you can do so by finding the link in the description. <laughs>